What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Rockcast podcast brought to you by Onyx Hunt Maps. Jordan here, and we're going to roll through another uh, Tipsy Tuesday, which features like our news and new articles that have been written, and there have been a lot of them this week. Um, before we do that, it's you know early August. We've been scouting quite a bit in a new area. It's been pretty slow. The learning curve to a new area in general is usually pretty rough, and uh, that's proving to be very true as we're doing this, but um, making a tiny bit of headway at just, you know, one weekend at a time, basically. So, um, yeah, that's going on. And then my first hunt kicks off here just in less than a week. I'll leave Monday for Alaska on a caribou hunt, and uh, that's going to be an archery-only hunt. And so, yeah, just trying to get my, my gear dialed and figure out, you know, we're not going to know exactly where we're going to get dropped off until about the time comes. So trying to have some footwear options lined out that I can kind of grab and go once we figure out where we're going to, where we're going to be, um, things like that. So yeah, it's, it'll be interesting. Excited to get the, get the year kicked off here. Um, gosh, what else is going on? I think that's pretty much it. So, uh, first thing rolling in, it is August 3rd and First Light is having their opener sale. So their season opener sale, I believe is what they're calling it. It started yesterday on the 2nd. It's going to run through until like midnight, you know, 11.59 on the 4th of August. So that's a Thursday tomorrow. Deep discounts on a lot of stuff. Um, the Omen rain gear, the new 2022 rain gear is 20% off. And I wore that on my sheep hunt last year, and I wore it quite a bit last year, just during the season in general, in the lower 48. And uh, I truly do. I, I really love that stuff. And then another new 2022 offering that's 20% off is the Origin Hoodie, which is a um, a woven fleece, you know, like a mid-layer fleece, um, similar to their Klamath, but a little more bells and whistles, has a built-in face mask, which is really comfy and is well-designed, um, and then has like a kangaroo pocket in the front. So a new uh, DWR, well, not it has a DWR um, on the outside of it, but just the face fabric that they're using now in general is slick, um, not as easy for like abrasion, like it's a little more abrasion resistant because it is so slick. Um, and yeah, that's a, that's a good piece. There's a lot of other things that are, it's up to 40% off. So pants, shirts, gosh, underwear, anything you can think of, uh, the duffel bags, use the duffel bags a lot. I've talked about those a lot and, um, yeah, they're a great piece. So go check out the first light opener sale, um, right now until like midnight on August 4th. So go check that out. Um, new, so new rock slide articles we got up. I've been talking about the MagView digiscoping adapter for a while now. And the last Tipsy Tuesday, Robbie and I ran through it really well. Um, but that written article has been published. So you can find the link to that down in the show notes. And another uh, article that was just published is the hard, hard side hydration swig rig, which I've touched on that a little bit as well. Um, I picked up a couple of them in Salt Lake at the show um, this last spring or winter, I guess it was. Um, Basically what it is, is they put a hydration hose on your Nalgene bottle. So if you like, you know, 
I personally like a Nalgene bottle. I like running a Nalgene and a SteriPen combo. So um, this just allows me to put a like a, a hose on that. So I can, you know, run it up and just makes drinking a little bit simpler. You drink a little bit more. Um, so that is the swig rig that will be down in the show notes as well. And then Jared Bloomgren has uh, done a, a written review on the Cryptech Fishing Collection, clothing fishing collection. Um, Travis Bertrand reviewed the Yeti Hopper M30, which is one of their soft side coolers. I don't have that exact one, but I have the backpack version, and it's pretty nice. And then uh, another uh, Yeti thing that that I got lately is uh, if you're in the market for a new cooler, is their little Tundra Hall cooler has wheels on it. Um, is a pretty good size. It's about the size of a 45, I would say. And man, that thing is like the go-to and you really don't think, you know, you think the wheels are going to help a little bit, but gosh, they help so much. So that's just a little, um, a Yeti plug there for a new cooler. I really like and another new, this one's a Tips and Tactics article. We have a Southeast Alaska Sick Deer Hunting Tips and Tactics article that is up. And then uh, Tony Treach, we just had him on in the last episode talking about um, the trip that he's, you know, his fall he's about to embark on. He's going to be gone for a long time and how he packed for that. He reviewed the new and redesigned uh, Sitka Jetstream jacket and vest. Uh, that is windproof. So check that out. And then I did a written review on the First Light Foundry pant collection. Those um, three pairs of pants that they came out with uh, last year. And they were, you know, really well received. Um, have, you know, I've really only been hearing like good things about, especially about that corrugate foundry. Um, you know, the corrugate guide pant in general is, uh, Robbie commented on a Facebook or a Instagram post I made the other day and said he can't destroy his corrugate pants. Um, he's just been wearing the heck out of them. So, um, good pants there. I have a written whole written review on it and I've talked about it a lot here. So I'll try to spare spare the time. Um, and then Matt Cashel reviewed the Wiser Precision Nighthawk tripod head. So it was a very unique design. Um, and yeah, he's using it with his big spotters. So go check that out if you're in the market for a tripod head. And then there's a, um, John Stallone wrote an article for Rockside called, uh, basically talking about the return act. I believe it was in the last episode I touched on that return act and what they're trying to do with that. Um, and yeah, since uh, there's been a lot of Rockside articles written out and we took some time running through those, um, I cut down on the hot news a little bit. But in Montana Wolf News, um, they just came out with their numbers of what they think is out there. Uh, their current count for 2022 is 1,141 wolves, which they believe is stable. And uh, I believe it was for the 21-22 season. Montana really opened things up um, as far as like they took the quotas away for tags and things. And uh, they did some other things which really like opened up, you know, wolf hunting and what you could do and things. Um, and 
they say that the population over the last three years has been pretty dang stable. So, uh, and they also said in 2021, they had like 192 packs. And the year before that, they were at like 198 packs. Um, and then they also said between this year and last year, there was about a 40%, or uh, sorry, not 40%. There was a 40 wolf difference in their count versus this, um, you know, 1,140 wolves that they got this year. So interesting things in Montana. And then uh, throwing this out there, I think I talked about this at one point, but um, Nebraska, my home state, they opened a July depredation hunt for elk. Could be a bull or it could be a cow. Um, Non-residents could get tags. Residents could get tags. It was only for a select number of counties in the state. Um, There were very few. There was like four or five uh, down like dual counties. So like kind of down around Scotts Bluff and around in that area. Um, what was happening was the, the elk were getting into cornfields and, um, you know, obviously destroying some things. And then by the time that the season would roll around, it's about the time the corn would come out, all the elk would disperse and they were having trouble getting them that way. And then, you know, you know, elk in a cornfield is kind of destructive. Um, so this depredation hunt they proposed is July 1st through the 31st just the month of July, you could kill a bull or you could kill a cow. And like I said before, the tags were, um, you know, residents or non-residents could buy them. The stats that I saw, it was like 170 tags for residents were purchased or something like that. Um, and there was like another hundred and something for non-residents, but they ended up killing eight elk total, eight, like, Five plus three. Um, it's really crazy because people were very angry when this thing was coming around and uh, just thought that, you know, they were going to completely, like, decimate herds. Um, you know, they were going to shoot cows and they, the cows still have calves on them. So that was a bit of a discrepancy. Um, it's July, so it's really hot. You know, meat waste. People were worried about that. Um as far as bulls go, like they were still, you know, have velvet on, they're not even hard horned yet. And there, there was just, there was a lot of things that people were worried about with this thing. Um, and then they ended up killing eight elk. And I think there were five bulls, three cows. I have yet to see, I don't even know if I should say this. I have yet to see like a nice bull that was killed. Like the few pictures that I've seen of the bulls, they were like five points, um, you know, just like small, younger, younger bulls. Um, so game and fish says that that's about what they were expecting. So it was a big success. And, uh, I don't think that that's at all what anybody was expecting was getting eight. So anyways, that's, uh, that's what went down in Nebraska this July. Okay. On to the hot minute. Um, a while back I had done a question, like a Instagram question gathering post, I guess. And I got a bunch of questions. I pulled a couple of them from there and I'm going to try to keep them, you know, fairly short. They're two completely separate questions. One of them is on gear and one of them is more on the hunting and scouting side of things. So first question up is TP versus a standalone shelter. So I've talked about this a bit, especially in even some of these recent episodes talking about some of the new floorless tents that are out. Um, 
know, in general, like what you gain with a teepee um, and what you gain with a standalone shelter, probably standalone for the most part, is like they're probably a little bit simpler to pitch. Um, you you can be on really rocky ground where you don't even have to stake them out or um, you know tie guy lines off or or anything like that. They just they pop up, they stand on their own, they have their own poles. You don't have to stake them out. Um, and typically they have a pretty small footprint. So, uh, depending on where you're camping and what style of hunting you want to do, like that can be a really good option. Uh, the teepee side of things and like these floorless shelters with, um, I'm just going to say the floorless shelters for now. Uh, the, you know, there is definitely a, a, I don't know if you call it a stigma with them where it's like, folks are afraid of them because they're going to have like creepy crawlies come in. Um, your gear can get dirty, things like that. Uh, one of the really great things about them is you can have the option to run a stove. So in the later season, you know, even in later September, when you start getting snowstorms that are really wet, um, you know, having that, uh, having the heat source availability, uh, and being able to dry, gear out is is huge and then just as far as a mental booster that can be huge um but the creepy crawly thing and your gear getting dirty can be like a consideration right so you want to be a little bit careful about where you run them at least i do if we were in a an area where snakes could just like slither on in like no way in hell would i be just rolling floorless and not have some kind of an insert um, so that leads me to the next thing that I think really gives like floorless shelters or teepees an advantage are some of them have, uh, inserts that basically make them somewhat like a dual wall standalone shelter, except they're not standalone. Um, so you can, you can basically like, let's say take my Argali, um, Absorca for person, for example. So that thing is a pyramid style teepee you could say um it stakes out on four corners like a square on the ground you put a pole in the middle pitches it taut and then you can guy line the sides out if you want um or it just works like that so uh you know upsides it is really light for how much of a footprint you get so um you know it's like a little over i think total with the pole I'm like in the two pounds touching three pound mark if I were to take my like regular backpacking standalone type tent um, that's also three pounds you look at the footprint comparison in the teepee I can like stand up kind of in the middle Um, you just have more room to hang out Uh, you know that's really appealing Um, I think especially for like groups of people that are going hunting together and hanging out like floorless shelter is a really good option. And especially, um, you know, in the early season, I can throw the insert inside of that Absorca and it gives you like a, you know, a bathtub floor and then mosquito type netting or bug netting. So you can, um, you know, protect your sleeping bag and bag and pad and gear from getting, you know, dirty or whatever. Um, then it also keeps the bugs and the insects and the creepy crawly thingies out. Um, but then in the later season, 
I can pull that insert out um, when the bugs have all died. I don't really have to worry about snakes anymore. Um, those kinds of things. I can take a stove with me, toss it in there, and have like a whole nother version of that tile of that style of shelter um, in like a you know a completely different scenario. So I really, for most people, especially if they're like elk hunting and usually you can find a fairly flat place and decent place to to pitch a camp um i think going with a floorless is a really good option like downsides they do have a bigger footprint so you need a little bit bigger spot to put them um so like a deer bed for that absorca wouldn't be pretty wouldn't be uh the greatest i would say but yeah that's what i have to say about it so don't be afraid of the floorless shelters. Um, they're super versatile. You know, if you're doing a lot of like high country, like sheep hunting, um, mule deer hunting, everything's like above alpine, probably a lot of wind. Um, you probably need a smaller footprint or it would be nicer for a smaller footprint. might be really rocky. You can't always guy line things out. Um, then like, you know, your standalone tent is going to be probably the option for you. So, um, again, it's really hard to like, you know, I can pro and con it and I can give you my take on it and what I've used, but in the end, like you really got to look at what kind of hunting that you're doing. And then it might be one of those things where, um, you know, sometimes you need to have both. Like you need to, if you hunt all season long, you do high country mule deer stuff. And then later season you're doing lower, lower country elk stuff. Um, it might be beneficial to have both. So my personal take on it with most people, I think I've probably already said this, but, uh, doing some kind of a floorless, like a little bit bigger floorless style is a really good option if you can put an inner in it because it's super versatile. Um, but there are those occasions where it's probably not the right tool for the job. A standalone would be better. So just give that a look and, or give that a thought, I guess. Okay. Going on to the next question I got here. All right. We got a scenario, which I would, I'm thinking that this is probably a current scenario for somebody. Um, okay. Low animal densities, high people densities, It's a huge unit that all looks good, Um, can't find shit scouting, and a plan with that. Like, what's my plan with that? Um, I mean, you know, it can't all look good. Um, You know, it... There's got to be something about some certain areas that make it better. So, in my, you know... What I would do, and I, I kind of just went through this with a, u- a new unit where I kind of felt like I was in the same spot. Um, it's like, first of all, you just got to keep going. Um, you know, we were we were actually talking about this the other day where it's like, you know, we, we made a couple of scouting trips and we really didn't see much. And burned quite a bit in, in fuel. And then of course the time going out there and then you get done with it and you don't find anything and you feel pretty defeated and you feel like you got your ass kicked and you don't really know, you know, the next, the next place to go or the next thing to do. Um, so, but you just have to keep going. Like you just have to, you gotta like step back, get back to the house, look at maps, 
look at some other things too. This is what I was thinking about is, is taking a step back and looking at the area that you're in um, and think about what the deer are going to be eating this time of year. Um, dig into it a little bit deeper versus like everything looks good, but I can't find anything like, you know, dig into it a little more, whether that's like walking around some more, looking for tracks, um, you know, that's digging into a little bit deeper on what you think that they're going to be eating in that area and really identifying what that is and trying to figure, um, that portion out of it. Um, and then I think just, hitting a lot of different areas of course it kind of depends on your unit um seems like some of the units that I tend to hunt have a lot of varying terrain so like from you know the tippy top like really rocky like goat country type stuff like all the way down into some you know more rolling sage type stuff that's a lot of different that's a lot of different habitats and, um, deer might live in all of them in certain places, but you, you gotta like take a step back and try to figure that out. Um, you know, get boots on the ground. If, if all you've done so far is glass, like there's only so much you can do, um, with glassing if they're just like hanging out, you know, in the trees or in pockets where it's really hard to see. Um, and then I think another thing too, kind of on the flip side of what I just said is maybe back your scouting up a little bit. Um, you know, stop looking at hillsides where you're burning, you know, two, two hours in the morning, two hours in the evening, looking at a spot that you can only see 600 yards in and really back it up and try to find a spot where, um, where you're looking a long distance and you can see a lot of country, um, especially in the, the summertime when they're out a little bit longer, that can be a good strategy. And then, uh, gosh, to go along with that, I think, you know, look at your shadows and, uh, your slopes and, you know, Robbie and I talked about slopes quite a lot. And, uh, I used to put a lot of weight on slopes and, you know, still think about those kinds of things. But, um, like Robbie says, when you're out there, you're like, you're looking for deer. And then once you can find some deer, you go over and see what they're eating on and you can kind of put those pieces together. So it's a really long drawn out answer to something that I don't even know the answer of really. Um, all I can do is pull from like what I've learned in scouting and hunting, especially in new areas, because I've had to do it for the last couple of years now, and uh, and you know a few times before that as well. But anyways, it uh, you just got to keep going, keep trying something different, try to think, you know, think outside of the box. And people say that all the time, and it's kind of ridiculous, but um, I mean, think outside of the box as far as like go study deer more, like. Um, what they should be eating or what that kind of, uh, in your area, what that habitat looks like that they should be in because of forage, um, because of the grasses and think about things like that, like a little more in depth instead of just like driving around and glassing, which I have no idea if that's what you've done or not, but plan. I mean, the plan is just to, uh, go fill the tank up and go burn it looking for plate, looking for other places and just keep going at it. Um, it's just kind of the, 
it's the game we play, it seems like. So, um, yeah, that's what I got on that. Hit it hard and uh, try to find you. Hopefully you find some. All right, going to wrap this thing out. Always want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Onyx Hunt Maps. Um, you know, 3D maps are now available on Android, so that's nice. Um, and yeah, they have some really good tutorials out now that walk you through the whole uh, Onyx map. I see that there's some new updates um, that have been coming in, just kind of changing the, the interface a little bit. And yeah. If you haven't checked out Onyx Hunt Maps yet, hop on, and it really does, like, it helps, it can really help put some pieces together of, um, of scouting trips or whatever. So, onyxmaps.com forward slash hunt, you enter code ROCKCAST, you're going to get 20% off on us. And, yeah. And then, um, Black Rifle Coffee, on and off the mountain, both ways, it's awesome. I really like the steeping bags, uh, get you more of a lighter roast. The, if you like more of like a mid to a darker roast, then the straight up just a little instant packet sticks are nice. Um, use code ROCKSLIDE there and you'll get 20% off your first order either in the subscription base service where they ship you coffee you know, as, as often as you want them to or whether it's just a one-time order. You get 20% off by entering code ROCKSLIDE. And then over to ActiveJunkie.com. Active Junkie is full of brands and retailers. They've got like 1,500 of them. And essentially what you do is you go to activejunkie.com forward slash rockslide. You can sign up for a free account. You look at some of those brands and retailers that they have. And if you click through to those stores through the Active Junkie website, um, Active Junkie basically gives you cash back on things. And they have it on their website, uh, very black and white, clear of how they can do that. So you'll have to go check it out for yourself if you want the super details. But they've got retailers like Shields, uh, Moosejaw.com, brands like Yeti. They even have Goodyear Tires. And I've talked about it a lot before, but they also have Booking.com. So if you're booking a trip, you can get cash back. And um, they have a ton of other brands and retailers of like sporting things and all things that we love to do, including they also have Lowe's and uh, big home improvement person. So I do appreciate getting some cash back on that. And you can pair all of this stuff with uh, discounts and sales that are already going on in those stores. So if you um, do a little bit of research and do it right, you can really save a lot of money. And Active Junkie gives you that cash back through actual cash deposited into your PayPal account or a check in your mailbox. So it's not like a point system you have to use in their own stores. So activejunkie.com forward slash rockslide will get you started. And then firstlight.com. Of course, they still have that sale going on through August 4th at midnight is when that's going to cut off. Tons of things, 20, 30, up to 40% off from a lot of stuff. So it's a really good time to go stock up. Um, I talk about those, uh, their duffel bags a lot for travel, three different sizes. I do really like those things. They have the lid, the lids, like, I guess you'd call that a lid or yeah, the lid zips open and it actually zips all the way down to the bottom of the bag. So it lays out flat and that can be a spot where you put your feet like a little foot mat. It's a little, it's like a little thing, but it is nice to be able to 
to put your uh, feet on, especially if you're, you know, a whitetail person and you like to change your clothes right before you go into the stand, try to keep as much scent off of them as you can. That's a really good feature for you guys. So go check those out, firstlight.com. And I'm going to let you guys go. Hopefully everybody is having a, uh, a great August so far. We're three days in. And let's hope that not too many forest fires get rolling here in the West and we'll keep that smoke down. So that's all I got. I'll talk to you guys after I get back from Alaska. Alaska.